hello, and welcome to our podcast here at Discovery Point Church. Thank you for joining us today. We pray this message inspires you and is the beginning of a life-changing relationship with Jesus. Enjoy the message. How are we doing today? Great. So welcome to Discovery Point Church. And those of you who are watching via the internet, welcome. Uh, will you pray with me and we'll get into God's word. Father, thank you for uh, for this moment in time, we thank you for today. Uh, Lord, we thank you that we can gather here to worship you and just be reminded, Lord, of who you are and just what you've done for us. And Lord, I just pray that the cry of our heart is to continually seek to bring you honor and glory. And as we come to your word this morning, Lord, give us ears to hear, I pray. Holy Spirit, we just pray that you would move in our lives and make us what you called us to be. Make us more like Jesus tonight, we pray. Uh, we love you. We love your word. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Last week, Pastor Greg set us on a course for the year. And we got a chance to, to be reminded about our core values as a church. And our core values, as we, as we saw last week, and even this week, are to live for God's glory, uh, to love for the good of others, and to lead to expand the kingdom. To live for God's glory, to love for the good of others, and to lead to expand God's kingdom. These are our core values. We also reviewed last week our mission statement. I'm sorry, our vision statement which is we is to serve as an army of passionate ambassadors mobilized to pray, care, and share the love of Jesus, enabling those in our relational circles to be transformed by the power of Christ and conformed to his image for the glory of God. And it's amazing how when we get out into our communities and our jobs, the number of people that we can affect and infect with the gospel of Jesus Christ when we mobilize for that purpose. And then we also saw our, our mission statement, you know, why we exist as a church, and that is to, to know Jesus and to make him known. To know Jesus and to make him known. And last week, Pastor Greg said that we need to go deeper as a church, that we need to go deeper as believers and followers of Jesus Christ, each and every one of us. And so to know Jesus is not just to know facts about Jesus that we can just rattle off. To know Jesus is the idea of having this, this active, daily, growing relationship with Jesus. And we do that through his word. We do that through prayer. And we do that through dependence on him. Amen. And if we do that each and every day, our relationship will grow and we'll come to know Jesus experientially as he enters and intervenes in our life with answered prayer, with opportunities to share the gospel or whatever you might need for your ministry. Right. Amen? Amen? So to know him is the first half of our mission statement. It's the second half. I want to focus on, and that is to make him known. And oftentimes, we make Jesus known by sharing the gospel, the good news, with those whom we care about. But if we're going to go deeper as a church, 
If we're going to, and Pastor Greg coined this phrase last week, if we're going to live with kingdom intentionality, and I love that, if we're going to live with kingdom intentionality, then we must go beyond simply sharing the good news of the gospel. As a reminder, our theme for this year is, is to walk in love. And that's what we're going to focus on today. So if you've got a Bible, turn with me uh, to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. It's in the New Testament. Uh, Galatians, Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians. But Ephesians chapter 5. And the foundation for our study, for our theme of walking in love is found in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 through 2, where Paul tells the church this. Read with me. He says, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love, just as Christ also loved you, and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. And so Paul begins with, uh, Therefore be imitators of God. And throughout the scriptures, we are encouraged and dare I say commanded to walk and to live and to imitate the Lord Jesus Christ. For example, in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 through 20, you know, the Great Commission, uh, Jesus says this to his disciples. He tells them to go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Here it is, verse 20 teaching them to obey all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. But it's this teaching them to obey all that I commanded you. And when Jesus was on earth in his earthly ministry, he let his disciples know that he came to do the Father's will. And that everything that he did and said was to fulfill the Father's will. And that's what he taught us. And so our responsibility is to teach others what Jesus did and what Jesus commanded so that others can live the way that he lived. Amen? Does that make sense? And you know, Paul agrees with Jesus in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. Paul says this to the Corinthian church. He says, be imitators of me just as I also am of Christ. Paul tells the church, you follow me as, as I follow Jesus. And he tells the church at Ephesus this very same thing. In, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1a, the first half of verse 1, Paul tells the church this. This is our text for the day. He says, therefore, be imitators of God. Literally, it is, be therefore an imitator of the God. And the idea is, is that you and I, as we live out our lives each and every day, we, are to, we ought to imitate the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, doesn't mean that we go and buy a tunic and some sandals. and Doesn't mean that. But we are to model our lives after Jesus. Now, here's the question. How do we do that? How do we model our lives after Jesus Christ? How do we become imitators of God? Now, hear what Paul says. 
Don't, don't, don't be what you think God might be. You know how we often say, gee, if I were God, I would. You realize that doesn't work? Well, it doesn't work for me because I know me. And if I'm seeing some injustice, if I were God, well, I'd just let them have it. But I wind up excusing my own faults. And I wind up just being mean and merciless and just vengeful and vindictive and not a very loving God. Just thank the Lord I'm not God. I'm me. Um, so Paul says that we are to be imitators of God. Uh, but notice in the text, Paul says, therefore. And this is not clichés, by the way, but whenever you see the word therefore in Scripture, you've got to ask the question, what is the therefore? Therefore. In English, therefore is an adverb. Uh, in the Greek text, it's a co coordinating conjunction where it brings a thought, a previous thought together with a thought that uh, the writer is, is, is presently making. Uh, therefore often means for that reason or because of that or on the grounds of, which means that we need to go back to see what Paul just said to understand what the therefore is there for. Make sense? Confused? All right. So back up with me uh, to Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to begin in verse 17. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17, where Paul has to address some issues within the Ephesian church. If you know anything about Ephesus, it's a very wealthy church. Uh, it's a port city. It's a 24-hour city with people coming in, people going out. Uh, you might compare it to San Diego, and then you add a little, little Las Vegas. Um, you add a little Scottsdale to it, and you've got, you've got Ephesus. And look at what he says in verse 17, 17 through 19. He tells them to stop living like the Gentiles. He says, so this I say, and affirm together with the Lord that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk. In the futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart. And they have become callous, having given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. Paul tells the church, let me repeat that. Paul tells the church at Ephesus to stop living like the Gentiles. Let that sink in. You've got the church of Jesus Christ, some of them living like the world. And he says to stop living that way because the Gentiles, they live in the futility or the vanity or the emptiness of their minds, having their, their understanding darkened, excluded from the life of God. They are lost and on the way to hell. Why? Because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart, and they having become callous, un insensitive to the gospel, insensitive to Jesus, insensitive to God, they've given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. See, there was this, this, this temple in Ephesus called the Temple of Artemis, or the temple of Diana. And if you wanted to have a spiritual experience, you could go to the temple. 
and you could get with a, with a temple prostitute and you could have this esoteric, spiritual, sexual experience where you might somehow encounter uh, some spiritual entity that, you, that someone might call God. And look at what Paul says in verses 20 through 21. He says, but you, talking to the church, you did not learn Christ in this way. You didn't learn Christ through spirituality, through some sexually uh, oriented worship experience. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, just as truth as in Jesus. Paul says, if indeed you have heard him. And if you have been taught in him. In other words, you might want to check yourselves to make sure that you're in the faith. If you're living this way, Paul says. And then Paul gives the church some truth statements, some things that they need to remember and to realize. The first truth statement is simply this. That at some point in the past, we put aside the old man or the old nature. And he reminds the church this, the church at Ephesus and us today. At some point in the past, you and I put aside the old man, the old nature, the sin nature. Look at verse 22. He says that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit. The old man was being Corrupted because of sin, corrupted because of lust, lying lust that would, that would just eat away at the very core of who you were. Second truth, he says our thinking has been renewed. Look at verse 23. And that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And here's the idea. It's not us, but it's God working in us and through us to renew our thinking, to make our thinking young and fresh and, and alive and not dark and not futile. Third truth, that we have put on the new man or the new nature. Look at verse 24. And put on the new self, which is in the likeness of God, which in the likeness of God, excuse me, has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. See, Paul reminds the church at Ephesus that at some point in your life, you, you took off the old man, that old life, that old manner of doing things, and you laid it aside. And because we now have new life and a new way of thinking, and we are alive to the things of Christ, we have put on the new man which, as Paul says, is created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. There's been a change in our lives. We're not the same. You know, historically, we call this being born again. When God comes and the Spirit convicts us of our sin, and then he comes in, and, and when we get convicted, we confess that we need a Savior, that we need Jesus. And the minute we believe the gospel, the Holy Spirit comes in and indwells us, and he seals us until the day of redemption. And then he begins that process of making us more and more like Jesus. 
And we go from being babes in Christ, hopefully, to toddlers in Christ, to to teenagers in Christ, to uh, young adults in Christ, to mature adults in Christ, prayerfully. And this is what Paul reminds the church of, that you've laid aside the old self. But you know what? Sometimes we we want to go back to this because it it was was good times. But we've left that life. And our, our, our... Thinking has been renewed by the Holy Spirit. And now we, we have a life that is created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Don't miss this. The old man, Paul says, was being corrupted by the lust of deceit. The new man, not corrupted, but created. It is something new, created in in righteousness and holiness. Yeah, go to the next slide. Holiness of the truth. Not corrupted, but holy and righteous, which means we have a new life, not the old. And so as a result of that, of what God has done in our lives, helping us lay aside the old, renewing our thinking, putting on the new, look at verse 25 with me. Paul says, therefore, and what's the question we ought to ask? What is the therefore? Therefore, well, he just told us. Stop living like the Gentiles. That you didn't learn Christ through sensuality and sex and spirituality. That at some point in your life, you, you put off the old, your mind was renewed, and you put on the new. Because of what God has done in our lives in saving us, Therefore, verse 25, laying aside falsehood, speak truth. Each one of you with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Here's the command. Speak truth. Because this new man, this new nature, was created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. And so here's the command. Speak truth to one another each and every day, all day, throughout the day. Make it a habit in your life to speak truth to one another with his neighbor. Now, who's our neighbor? Everybody that we encounter is our neighbor. Why? Because we got a new life. We got a new way of thinking. Got a new way of living. And so we ought to speak truth with each one of us with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Make sense? Verse 26. Don't sin when anger. Look at the text. Be angry. That's a command, by the way. Be angry. Here's the other command. And yet do not sin. Here's the third command. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And here's the fourth sin. And do not give the devil an opportunity. Paul says it's okay to be angry. Or when the idea is when you're brought to the point of anger because of some external circumstance. It's okay to be mad. But don't sin. We can have a righteous anger. We can have a righteous towards sin, towards injustice, uh, towards inequality, we can have a righteous anger. But in our anger, Paul says, do not sin. 
Remember when Jesus cleared out the temple and he ran out the money changers? He was angry, but it was a righteous anger. And we're to do the same. Be angry, and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. In other words, take care of it. Whatever's brought you and moved you to the point of anger, if you can't fix it with whomever it might be with. Why? So that we don't give the devil an opportunity. And when we get mad at each other, Satan's like, here we go. Oh, boy, I'm going I'm to split them up. They're in the church. They're going to be mad at each other. They're not going to talk to each other for a week. I can get started. And he can start to divide brothers and sisters within the church and within families. But Paul says that when you're angry, and be angry, do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Do not give the devil an opportunity. Does that make sense? All right, so speak the truth. Be angry, but don't sin. Look at verse 28. Work hard for what you need. He who steals must steal no longer, but rather he must labor, performing with his hands what is good, so that he will have something to share with one who has need. Paul tells the church, stop stealing. Paper clips, pens, post-it notes, paper, Batteries, yeah. Paul says, stop it. He said, but rather he must, here's the command, labor. Here's the idea, to toil or to work to the point of exhaustion. An honest day's work for an honest day's wage. Paul says, stop stealing and labor. Not so that I can have all the stuff that I want, but so that you have something to share with somebody who might be in need. That's what the first century church did in Acts chapter 2. If anybody had a need, the church got together to meet that need. And so we, we, we toil, we labor, not so that we can have more stuff, but that we can meet the needs of another. It's unselfish. I love it. Fourthly, if you look at verse 29, don't let rotten words come out of your mouth. Look at what Paul says. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment. Here's why. So that it will give grace to those who hear. You remember the three little monkeys? Remember the hear no evil, see no evil, speak no evil? You remember those? They were big in like the 70s and, and 60s. Well, Paul says the same thing here. He says, don't let any unwholesome word, and here's the command, don't let it proceed from your mouth. Don't let it come out of your mouth. Because once it's out, you can't take it back. And so Paul says, let no unwholesome, here's the idea, rotten or, or, or bad or, or, har- or harmful. It's the idea of, of fruit that is turned bad, that is overripe, that's no good. And he says, don't let any unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. To stop it, to hang on to it, to just, mm -mm. as bad as you want to say something, don't. 
And here's, here's the idea. We have control over that. We can choose to say something mean, or we can choose to hold it in and just not say it. And Paul says, don't let it proceed from your mouth. Why? He says, but, strong contrast here, only such a word as, as is good for edification, to build someone up, uh, to encourage someone. So that it'll meet the need of the moment and that it will give grace to those who hear. Because we've got a new nature, a new way of living, a new way of doing things, a new way of thinking, a new way of speaking. And we want only words that edify, only words that encourage, only words that build up to come out, not words that tear down, not words that insult. Verse 30, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Paul repeats what he said in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. That's the command. Do not grieve him. See, the culture thinks that the Holy Spirit is just uh, God's active force, that he's like electricity. Uh, the Holy Spirit is the third person in the Trinity. Uh, he has emotion. He has will. He has intellect. He is equal with Jesus Christ. He is equal with God the Father. And the three are one. But he resides within us. And we can grieve him. We can make him sad. We can offend him. We can cause him sorrow when we work against him, when we choose to not listen to him, when we ignore him. See, I think we forget this is my opinion. I think we forget that he's here with us. Wherever we go, he goes with us because he indwells us. Wherever you might find yourself, whatever you might say, whatever situation you might be in, he's right there with us. And I don't know if you know, but the Spirit does talk to us. Don't do that. Don't go in there. Don't say that. Walk away. But the flesh says, let them know what, how you really feel. Go on in there. It's okay. Nobody's watching. And we grieve the Holy Spirit. And Paul says, don't grieve him. Because he's, he's within you until the day of redemption. And so the Holy Spirit is a person who, who has emotion, who, who has feelings. He says, don't grieve him. Look at verse 31. Paul says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. All these strong and negative emotions that we sometimes have. Bitterness, that's just this animosity or being resentful. Wrath is this intense anger or fury where we just kind of boil over. It's, it's, it's like the, the, the account Pastor Greg told us last week of going to Walmart when Miss Sharon drove by him because she didn't see him. And he began to get angry. He started to boil over because she didn't see him. And he had to walk down the parking lot. <laughs> he says also, he says anger. Anger and wrath are almost synonymous. Pastor Ray was wrathful at the Walmart, but anger is this wrath that never decreases. We're always fuming at someone or something. It never subsides. 
That's the idea of anger. And clamor, when we shout or scream, stop it! Get away from me! That's clamor. And slander, when we falsely say something against another, when we defame someone's reputation. That's slander. And then malice, using good things for evil purposes. You know, we've got this Bible study, and you're welcome to come and join us in our Bible study. All along, knowing that this young lady is single and you like her and you're only inviting her because you want to get next to her. That's malice, pretending to do a good thing with evil intent. And here's the idea when Paul says to let it all be put away. It's not something that we do, but it's something that God does. It's passive in the Greek text. And so the idea is that we allow the Holy Spirit to work these things out of us, to work these strong negative, negative emotions out of us. How does he do it? Well, he, he replaces it with the fruit of the Spirit. Right. Yeah. right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. He replaces these negative emotions with the fruits of the Spirit. All right, look at verse 32. He says, be kind. That's the command. Be kind. Always, each and every day, you yourselves be kind to one another. Tenderhearted, that's compassionate. Forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. Be kind to one another. All right, look at chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, be imitators of God. Therefore, be imitators of God. You and I, as followers of Jesus Christ, we are imitators of God when we speak the truth to one another. We are imitators of God when we get mad, but we don't sin. We are imitators of God when we stop stealing and work hard for what we need so that we can share with somebody who might have a need. You and I imitate God when we keep the bad words in. And we don't let them out. You and I imitate God when we let the Holy Spirit replace those negative, strong emotions with the fruit of the Spirit. You and I imitate God when we are kind and compassionate towards one another so that we live out our lives in a way that people can see God in us. Not just they hear about God from us, but they get to see us living out. They get to see us imitating God, speaking the truth, not sinning when anger, working hard, holding in those bad words, not grieving the Holy Spirit, putting away strong negative emotions and being kind to one another. That's when we imitate God. Years ago, 70s, 80s, early 90s, before computers, before the internet, before YouTube, before MP3s, before all this stuff, when we would go to worship on Sunday morning, and when pastor preached a really good message that you just had to hear that again, we would go out into the foyer, and we would ask for a copy of the cassette tape. Of the, or 
years later, a CD. And what they would do is they would make a master copy of the sermon. And then right after the sermon, they would take that master copy and they would duplicate the sermon so that you could go and for three bucks or five bucks, you could buy a, a cassette tape or, or a CD. Now, the copies weren't the master, but they looked like the master and they sounded like the master. And they were just as good as the master, but they were not the master. In the same way, when you and I live a life that imitates God. Now, we're not Jesus, but they'll, 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 they'll get to hear his words. They'll get to experience his grace and his mercy and his compassion. They'll get to experience who Jesus is through us when we become imitators of God. Make sense? Amen. Amen. So if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, perhaps the Holy Spirit is in the process of convicting you of your sin. And if that's you, and when you sin, you kind of feel this sense of guilt, that's the Holy Spirit. And I encourage you just to cry out to the Lord and ask him to save you from your sins. Because that's the only way we get to go to heaven and be with Jesus forever. is through his sacrifice on the cross for us. There's no other way to get to God the Father or to heaven except through Jesus Christ. Can't work enough. Can't do enough good deeds. Looks, looks don't count. Bank account doesn't count. Only what Jesus Christ has done for us will be enough to satisfy uh, the wrath of a holy and a just God. And so if that's you today, I just hope and pray that you just cry out to the Lord and just in, in, in prayer, ask him to save you. And if you, you, you need help or you want to know more, see myself, see Pastor Greg, see one of the deacons in the room. They love to help you on that journey to salvation. But if you're here today and you belong to Jesus Christ, remember our theme this year is to walk in love. And we want to know Jesus, but we also want to make him known. And as you live your life today and Lord willing tomorrow and the next day, let people see Jesus in you. Does that make sense? Amen. Pray with me. Father, thank you for your word and for our time together. We pray, Lord, uh, that today, because tomorrow is not promised, that today uh, we would uh, live our lives in such a way that people will see and hear you in us. And so give us words of grace. Help us to be merciful uh, to those that we encounter. And help us to love one another each and every day. And may that love, Lord, be evident uh, to all that we encounter. We love you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for your word. We ask this in your name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast today. We pray you allow this message to transform you to take what you learned and share the love of Jesus to those around you. You can stay informed and connected by following Discovery Point Church on all social media platforms. Thank you and God bless you.